you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He is the way maker. He's the miracle worker. Yet he still knows our name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just give him one more praise. Lord, you are worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Man, it wasn't fair to have me up after that. <laughs> wasn't fair. <laughs> you may be seated. 2363 is the number that I couldn't get out of my head. I could not stop thinking about 2363. Everybody say 2363. Like a broken record, it seemed to play as an endless rhythm in my mind. 2363. 2363. 2363. I'm not a numbers person. Most numbers I can't remember. But this number I couldn't forget. 2363 is a number that gives me chills, makes my heart race. And if I think about it long enough, I will come to tears. There are 2,363 silent, deadly cries happening in America daily. This number represents how many preborn babies are denied access to life. 2,363 abortions take place daily just in our nation. Consider the statistics. 2,363 is equivalent to nearly 197 basketball teams. It's also equivalent to 30 school buses full of children. 2,363 is like the Titanic sinking every day. Since 1973, we have had 63,500,000 abortions in our nation. This is the number of the population of Canada, Ireland, El Salvador, Haiti, and Jamaica combined. When you ponder this, many emotions may flood your mind as happened to me. I was angry. I was sorrowful. But it made me have a passion to do something. I was confused by the plethora of views and opinions on this matter. I began having construct constructive discussions with people who I love, but definitely had opposing views. I usually had an answer for the arguments they posed, but there were times I would have to stop, think, and at the very least, choose my words wisely. I certainly did not want to condemn anyone or to make my friends feel inferior because they had different perspectives. I am not here today to condemn the world. I'm not here today to condemn anyone who at one point may have had an abortion in their life. John 3:17 says, "For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved." Did you know it's possible to discuss issues like this with someone and even disagree with them, but still show them love, kindness, and respect? It can be hard sometimes, but it's possible. In fact, it is necessary for us to be loving and respectful when we present the truth. 
These good friends of mine would make points that I had never considered. They would roll out their long lists of what ifs. What ifs that often took into consideration the hopelessness of our world, the dysfunction of family life, the pain that comes from simply living in our fallen world. I was baffled at the many times this didn't seem to be a shared value. When I would hear these what ifs, many times I would have to bring the discussion back to the fact that there is simply no justification for aborting a human life. It was not a shared value with people I love, friends, whom I regard as good people. These debates left me deeply concerned and even confused. Confused about how people could have such a different view concerning the life inside of a womb. But our God is not a God of confusion. I finally prayed something I have never prayed before. In October, as 2363 continued its steady rhythm in my head, I said, God, I don't want to walk in the beat of my own drum. I want to walk in the rhythm of your heartbeat. Sister Duvall, I needed you today because you confirmed this very heavy message, and this is what God needs to speak to us today, so thank you. I have been a stranger in a strange land. I have been a stranger in a strange land. This scriptural reference grabs my attention. Such a simple statement with such complex emotion. The statement was made as Moses named his firstborn son Gershom. Moses gave his son a name, which literally meant stranger there. Stranger is his name, exile. Moses knew what it was like to live the life of a stranger. His son was a testimony of where he came from and how he had been delivered. He also wanted his son to always know we are strangers in this fallen world. Our values come from the Lord, not from the land we live in. The Bible has a lot to say about the concept of strangers. It uses terms like foreigner, sojourner, or even alien. These references simply mean someone who is from a different land or practices different customs or even religions, who may speak a different language and are unfamiliar with the customs of the nation they currently live in. Most of these scriptures involve God instructing his people how we are to treat these strangers. We are to treat them with love and compassion. We are to show love in practical ways like clothing, feeding, sharing our home if they are in need. We are to show those who are foreign to our land with the kindness and hospitality that we ought to give those that are native to our land. This means we give them a deeply rooted brotherly love. God even tells the Hebrew children that when you grow your crops, leave the corners untouched. So that the poor and the strangers can have access to them. We are not to oppress or take advantage of the sojourner. When the scripture talks about strangers, God often reminds his people that they too were strangers in Egypt. He uses the difficult time in Israel's history as a reminder of how we are to treat those who are distant from our land. He would often conclude his command to be kind to strangers with these words, for you were once strangers in the land of Egypt. It was there in captivity that God allowed the Hebrew children to have a full exposure to what it was like to feel and be a stranger. 
They weren't just strangers, but the Egyptian pharaoh enslaved the Hebrew people, forcing them to live and work under great distress. What would have it felt like for the Hebrew wives to kiss their husbands and older sons on their way to work, praying that the slave masters would have mercy on their family, allowing the men to come home, let alone unharmed? How physically and mentally exhausting would it have been to spend all the days of your life lifting and moving and stacking brick after brick, laboring in the sweltering heat, dehydrated, humiliated, and utterly exhausted. The Hebrew people labored under the extreme circumstances amid the daily threat of death and cruel torture for multiple generations. I can only imagine the hopelessness and desperation these Hebrew families felt on a daily basis. They were treated harshly, abused physically, and treated as less than human simply because they were strangers in Egyptian land. It was a strange place to the Hebrew people. One of the strangest things about Egypt was the disregard for human life especially the disregard for small children. The Bible says that even the children were to serve with hard labor and in all manner service in the field. As if that wasn't bad enough, the decree had gone forth that all male babies of the Hebrew people were to be thrown into the river. I can only imagine the wailing in the streets as babies were forcibly torn out of their mother's arms, thrown into wagons and taken to the river. There would have been most certainly death for those baby boys. If they were not drowned by the waves, they would be the prey of predators under the surface. There was absolutely no hope of survival for these baby boys. The most innocent of the Hebrews were killed in the most horrific way. And for those who lived near the river, they were taunted every night as they heard the waves rock against the shore. For any Hebrew baby boy that was born, the river was inevitable. Today, we too have our river of what ifs. It is inevitable that our children will have to face the river of this world. Every person alive will find themselves traveling through the waves of uncertainty, crashing into the rocks of adversity, facing predators that seek to drag them down, attempting to devour any innocence they can find. Today's river is our fallen world. It's a broken world. Some people are sadly more afraid of facing the choppy waters than they are taking their own life. In today's river, we find a drug addiction. We find alcoholism. In today's river, we will find dysfunctional homes, financial despair, physical and emotional abuse. We will find depression, anxiety, hatred, grief, and unjustified actions. All mothers and fathers know that the risk of becoming pregnant is that one day, your child will have to confront the river on their own because the river is inevitable. Moses was born during this time in Hebrew history. He should have died just like the other boys. But there was something different about his mother. Jacobit did something none of the other mothers thought to do. She built him an ark. She knew that he too would have to face the same challenges. Instead of facing the situation with fear, she faced it with faith. 
And like her ancestor Noah, she built an ark that would protect her son through the dangers of water. Somewhere, at some point, someone gave her the blueprints that saved her son's life. And it is because of the act of this woman, a mother, that Moses later grew up to be the leader of the great exodus of Egypt. God blessed her and somehow worked it out where she would get to help raise Moses for some of the beginning of his life and then give him to the palace, uh, the Egyptian palace. So the beginning of Moses' life was spent as a stranger. He was a Hebrew boy living in an Egyptian palace. And he never truly fit into either culture. Moses made a grave mistake when he grew up that led him in exile. He was no longer welcome in the Hebrews or to the Egyptians. Moses finds himself in the desert with no home, no belonging, and no hope. So a Midian priest had his daughters go out to water his flock. But they were, they were blocked by shepherds. Moses stood up for them, watered the flock, and drew water enough for the girls to drink as well. When they came home, their father Jethro said, why are you home so early? They tell him about this story about how the Egyptian helped him. And I love his response because this is actually a pivotal moment in Moses' life. He says, and where is he? Why have you left this man? Go get him so we can eat bread together. Jethro recognized Moses as a stranger and went out of his way to go get him. Not only did Moses join them for dinner, but eventually he joined the family through marriage. This is the path Moses on when God visited him as a voice in a burning bush. God had given him a new path forward. He was no longer a stranger. After the burning bush, he had a revelation of God and a relationship with God. He now had a family to call his own and life was good. He knew he finally belonged. And when he named his son Gershom, it was a moment that he was able to reflect on what God brought him out of. He had been a stranger in a strange land. It was his testimony. But today, I'm here to tell you, it isn't enough to simply enjoy our own testimony. If we are not willing to share it with those who are still afraid of the river... Because just like the Israelites, God still hears their cries and their groanings. He knows their helpless pleas for deliverance. And he is just looking for a Moses to respond. Yes, it's wonderful that Moses finally found a place of rest. He found a place of forgiveness and wholeness. He found a place of peace, hope, and joy. But his deliverance from Egypt was just the beginning. Because there were still those in bondage back from where he came from. And God called him out to extend his hand, as Jethro did for him, to bring them to freedom. So who are the strangers we are talking about today? The first stranger we are talking about is the pre-born baby who has not yet had a chance to be delivered. They know nothing about the land that we live in. They don't know the sky is blue, the trees are tall, the snow is cold. They don't know that thunder can be scary and that flowers smell beautiful and that summers are meant for swimming. 
They don't know the warm embrace of a hug or the tears that come with sorrow. They don't know the excitement of joy. But if they did know, they would be willing to brave the river. And the second stranger, the foreigner, the sojourner that I'm talking about today are the mothers. The mother who is afraid to bring a baby into this world that can be so cruel on so many different levels. She knows the river is inevitable. And maybe she's seen one lost soul after another stumble and tumble into a downward spiral. The mother whose reality is hopeless and terrifying. It's time to let her know there is a land where people love. There is a city of hope set on a hill. There is a place where arcs are made with tender, loving care. Waterproof vessels that provide protection from the harshness of the river called the world. We know what it's like to be strangers. And we must never forget it. It's the humbling reality of our own need for salvation that will give us love to fight for the life of the unborn and the love to support the needs of the mother carrying the baby in her womb. That, at that time, we were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off, may nigh by the blood of Christ. Now therefore, ye are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Let's give God the praise right now. Can you receive the word of the Lord today? All across this house, just lift up your hands unto the Lord and receive his word. Come on, lift up your voice unto God and thank him for his word today. Thank him for his word today. I want everybody who remembers being a foreigner and a stranger in a strange land when God brought you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, I want you to receive ye the word of the Lord today for God has been good to his people. God has been good to his people. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. I'm so humbled and honored to follow what a great message that was, Sister Anna and Brother and Sister Duvall and Sister Washington and Sweet Braylon, my goodness, that wonderful song and our music team. Isn't God good? Haven't we been blessed today? I know I'm following an excellent message already, so have no fear. I'm not taking a long time today. Uh, but I do want to share with you the word of the Lord. I'm going to read just a few verses of Scripture. Revelation chapter 19 
And I'm reading from verse 11. I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. The armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth the sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. He treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of the Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. Faithful and true. His name is called Faithful and True. We are so blessed, and I, we have a great theme today, the sanctity of life, the celebration of life. We are pro-life, and we thank God. I want to say that, as Pastor Sizemore mentioned, this is our last Sunday for a little while of worshiping together. Tree of Life Church will be going back to Cooper Road, and we are going to do so. We have a very important responsibility. We're going to be completing our construction project, the worship center. Grace Point will be here focusing on their uh, needs. We're focusing on our needs, but I want you to understand something today. Something has happened in these last seven months that is of God, that is divinely ordered of the Lord. Something we could not have orchestrated on our own. Something that God positioned us to experience. And this is not the end. This is the beginning of a powerful and a fruitful cooperation with one another for the glory of God. Because I want you to know we are stronger together we are better together when we stand together united to do the work of the Lord. There is no weapon formed against us that can prosper. There is nothing too hard for us to overcome. Now you may say, now we're limited. We're limited because we have so many numbers of people. But I want you to know that the church of the living God is ever multiplying. It is ever increasing. And if the numbers never do reach the magnitude of the numbers of the world that we have come to save. Here, what I'm telling you, God is for us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? I said, if God be for us, who can be against us? Now, the passage of Scripture that I have read has to do with the Lord himself. The Lord himself. He does not send another. God himself coming down into this world, confronting the armies that come against the people of God. We have seen in recent days a glimpse of what Armageddon will look like. It will look like a wholesale, out-of-the-blue invasion. Countries that are warring against each other. And they are inching their way toward Israel. And they are inching their way toward Jerusalem. To the holy city of God, which is more than just a geographical location. A natural city. But it is the city of God. It is the church of the living God. 
And what we have seen, the evil we've seen on display just in the last few days. The Bible foretells all of it. The Bible literally says the king of the north shall return. That's what we've witnessed here recently. The king of the north returning, saying, I'm coming back to take what broke free from our grasp and became independent. I'm coming back to reclaim it. It is evil. It is wicked. It is a part of the Armageddon. It is a glimpse of what that culminating war will look like. But this is not the time for the church to run and hide. And this is not the time for the church to cower in fear. This is the time for us to understand that the Lord himself said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. This is the time to pray with understanding that as we pray, God is warring on our behalf. This is the time to understand that we overcome through the blood of the Lamb and through the word of our testimony. This is the time to understand greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to say it again. When we stand arm in arm, united in heart, in spirit, in unity, there is nothing we can't accomplish for the kingdom of Almighty God. We have seen the heroic efforts of the Ukrainian people in the last three days. Their president, who was offered evacuation because he is the number one target, and to that offer of evacuation, he said, I need ammunition, not a ride. I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, listen, I, I'm ready for the Lord to return. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. But as long as we're here, we're going to fight this battle and we're going to win this war. Hallelujah. If he hasn't returned yet, it's because he's still got work to do. And guess what? I'm ready to do what the Lord has called us to do. Oh, bless his name. And I want to remind you, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Hallelujah. Casting down imaginations. And I want you to know that casting down imaginations, that's, that's more than just casting down my own imagination and you casting down your imagination. But when we are faithful and true, we will cast down the imaginations of those who have been deceived by the enemy. And I want you to know that the innocent blood of the children that we've talked about today, it has cried out to God. Don't ever forget it. You may not hear it. I may not hear it. We sense it. That's because we're here. To, that's why we're here today. Because we sense the, 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 the atrocity of innocence having been perpetrated against with such violence. But God hears it clearly. Just as he heard the blood of righteous Abel speaking to him from the ground. He hears the blood of the innocent ones who have been taken from this life. And it is time for something to be done about it. And the enemy has, has waged war against the people of this earth. And he has 
has convinced people that they should be afraid of the river, as Sister Anna declared to us, that they should be afraid of what this world offers, that there are more problems than there is blessing, that there are more, there's more dysfunction than there is peace or harmony. So be afraid, very afraid, to even bring your child into the world. But the God who said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth is the same God who was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, believed on in the world, preached unto the Gentiles, received up into glory, the God who came to seek and to save that which was lost. And you and I are here today. We're not perfect people. We face problems in our life. We've been strangers in a strange land. You remember when you first walked in among the people of God and thought nobody can be that happy and nobody can have that much joy and nobody can have that much peace. But here we are today, clothed and in our right mind, justified, sanctified, bought by the blood of the Lamb. This is why the Apostle Paul told the church at Corinth, he said, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he went through a long list of descriptions of those who would specifically not inherit the kingdom of God. And it basically covers the spectrum of human life as we know it. Every vice and every sin is covered. And then he stopped and said, Such were some of you. Such were some of you. That was you and I. We were the strangers. But God, who is rich in mercy, God, hallelujah, who is filled with loving kindness, gentleness, and goodness, reached forth his hand, brought us up out of a miry clay, delivered us into the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Put a song in our soul. Put a melody in our heart. Hallelujah. The enemy tries to create a false dichotomy and says you either have to, you either have to care for the unborn child or you have to care for the mother. And the church says that's a lie. You can care for both. Don't you let the devil pit you into different camps like you can only care for the child or you can care for the mother and you better pick a side. That's a lie and it's hatched out of hell. The church knows the truth. The truth is God is love and he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We do not stand with a condemning finger of accusation. We do not stand in a long line of wagging fingers saying shame on you to mothers who are in a, in a serious situation and they don't know how to get out of it. We don't do that. You want to know why? Because such were some of us. We've been in those same challenges and those same trials and you better not get haughty. You better not get self-righteous. You better not start feeling holier than everybody around you. God has a greater anger against that than he does any other sin we better humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and say Lord if you can use anything to showcase your love 
You can use me. You can use me. How does God come against the armies, the invading armies? I'll tell you how he comes. He comes upon a white horse. He comes called faithful and true. He comes with the word, the sharp two-edged sword coming out of his mouth, which is the word of God. You know who that is? And you know what he said? He comes with ten thousands of his saints. All those saints, ten thousands of them. That means they're unable to be numbered. Because when you're talking about ten thousands, plural, it's just like I just stopped counting after ten thousand. It's innumerable. And I want you to know, when they're following he who is faithful, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, they're not bickering about who gets what limelight. And they're not bickering about who got one another's seat and you took my seat and that I've been sitting there for 47 years no they weren't talking about that because the church is united and the church is faithful and the church is true and when we are there's nothing we cannot accomplish we go forward trampling every lion and every adder every serpent and every scorpion laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover seeing the glory of God at work in the earth and Pastor Sizemore for the last seven months we've caught a glimpse of what it looks like and what it feels like to be united hallelujah and I want you to know there's nothing we can't accomplish for the kingdom and the glory of God Whatever that unity looks like and whatever form that unity takes, there is nothing we can't accomplish for the goodness and the glory of the Lord. Hallelujah. You know what you ought to do? I don't want to make everybody uncomfortable, but just kind of scoot over one inch. Just scoot over one inch. Just right where you are. Just scoot over one inch. Hallelujah. You got something. Just scoot over. You got to start making room because they're coming. They're coming. And they've got questions and they've got problems and they got issues. You better be ready. They got issues just like you had issues. Yeah, you remember before the blood of Jesus made a difference. You remember when you doubted and were in despair and then you walked into the city of our God, a heavenly Jerusalem. You came unto a mountain, that holy mountain, not that old mountain that did burn with blackness and darkness and tempest and vapors of smoke, but unto this mountain. Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of our God, the spirits of just men made perfect, an innumerable company of angels. A city where people love. A city where people believe. Where they believe in you and they know you can make it. Hallelujah. Brother Duvall said it so eloquently that that bringing of choosing life and then if, if, if unable to foster that life forward, even allowing others who are in a position to do so. But when you choose life, the favor of God comes upon you. And he'll bless you in ways you can't imagine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I want you to understand, ladies and gentlemen, we, we were adopted. We were adopted. Having no hope but God. Hallelujah. And, and he allowed us to, to enter through a new birth. 
Glory to God. We came in through repentance and baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful that God let you take all of those bad decisions and all of those sins and all of those mistakes and all of those regrets and all of those things you wish you never would have done? Aren't you thankful that he let you get down into a watery grave called baptism in the name of Jesus Christ and you were able to leave all of that behind you and step up out of that water walking in the newness of life when he filled you with the gift of the Holy Ghost and you began speaking a language you had never learned anywhere else. God birthed you into a new family. Somebody lift your hands and praise him right now. Somebody lift your hands and praise him right now. <laughs> oh, bless his name, bless his name, bless his name. Hallelujah. If you could stand with me right now, our musicians can come. Again, I want to reiterate. I don't want to, I don't want to call it our last Sunday. That's all right, Pastor. I'm just not going to say that. I'm just going to say it's, 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 it's a, a temporary farewell where we, where we go our respective ways to concentrate on some of the things we need to concentrate on. But I want you to know, Tree of Life Church, there was a time in the summer where we were homeless. We didn't have a place to go. And it wasn't on any of our plans and it wasn't on any of our blueprints. And we had some of the most brilliant minds strategizing and projecting and organizing and administrating. And there were all sorts of different, different ways we were looking forward. We had it all figured out. There were moments where I thought, man, we're sailing right along. I can see exactly how this is going to go. And then God said, I'm going to take you off your land. And I'm going I'm to make you dependent on your brothers and your sisters. And we walked into Grace Point, and our brothers and sisters said, come on in. Make yourself at home. Have a seat. Here, take my seat. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, brother and sister Sizemore. Thank you, Grace Point Church. Let's give them a great big hand. And there are more that are coming. There are more that are coming to fill our pews and fill our seats. And we've got to make room for the harvest of God that is coming. And we've got to wrap our arms around them. And, and we, we don't need to think about or bring up what they've done in the past. They know what they've done in the past. You know why the Bible said he didn't come to condemn the world? Because they're condemned already. They're condemned already. He came to save. He came to love. He came to provide solution. So today we're passing out baby bottles. Sister Washington and Life Forward, Sister Anna, there, are, there is a collaboration underway. So even when we are apart from one another temporarily or however that may end up working, we're going to be able to partner together in a meaningful way as Grace Point and Tree of Life Church to build up the hope of young women in this city. We were there this week at Life Forward. We sat down with the team, the executive director, and the volunteers. They brought us in when they didn't have a client so as to provide privacy and dignity for their clients. 
And, and we came in and, and we listened to what they do. It's beautiful what they do. They wrap their arms around young mothers and babies and say, there is a hope. There is a way. There are people who love you. You can make it out of this thing. And your baby can live and thrive and survive. You know what? I'd love to have an annual concentration on this. And you know what? I've already got speakers in my mind. Preachers who were nearly aborted. I know them. They're my friends. They preach the gospel all over the world. They've harvested souls. They've preached Jesus up and down the corridors of our nation and other nations around the world. And they'll tell you the story of how their mother came to a crossroads and looked at the river and said, I can't subject my child to this river. But God stepped down into those circumstances. Sister Anna, and he said, there's an ark. You put your baby in this ark. We've got to be that ark. We've got to be that ark. Woo! You know, the fibers of that ark, they stuck together. You got to stick together. The weaving and the interweaving of those fabrics, they didn't pull apart when the going got tough. They, they held strong. You know why? Because there are babies you got to put in that ark. That's the only way they're going to make it down the river. If you want to be that person that makes a way for somebody, lift up your hands. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Come on, lift up your hands unto the Lord right now. Hallelujah. I want somebody who remembers when you didn't have hope and God stepped in and gave you new hope and new life. I want you just to begin to praise him like he's worthy of the praise. <laughs> Glory. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it, that's it, that's it. Somebody else step down here. The Holy Ghost is in this house. I believe miracles are about to happen. Come on, that's it. Somebody else step down here and let the Holy Ghost begin to work in this house. <laughs> Glory, that's it, that's it, that's it. Somebody else step down here. God, God is doing a work in this place. Woo. Come on with the church. Faithful and true. Pure. Pure in our spirit, pure in our motive, pure in our love. Come on, that's it, that's it, that's it. Fill this altar up, fill this altar up. That's right, that's right. In the name of Jesus. Hila Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, we can do this in the name of Jesus. We can reach out our hands in love to those in need.
Though the earth may pass away, your word remains the same. 